does it with Sally Mullins. This is what you get when you Google weed dress. I'm originally from England. I lost my accent. I do still have the inability to love or be loved. Like I have to live the lifestyle of an athlete to get the body of a crack whore. I used to look like a soccer mom, and now I look like a soccer mom who walked out on her kids. Because the economy sucks, that's why. It's not as good as Trump is saying it is. Sometimes I just want to be like, hey, Donald Trump, how come this guy whose face I'm sitting on is homeless? <laughs> not all people who do porn were molested. Some of us are just from Florida. <laughs> at my age, you're not getting back at your parents. You're getting back at porn. <laughs> So what I'm saying is, if you see my porn, you might be watching too much porn. Bum check a bum bum. Sally shows you how it's alright. We are going to diagnose you with oral gonorrhea. I go based on a blood or a pee test. They go based on what you've told us. Hello, everybody. Kamichiwa Biff. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Jock. Um, anyways, that clip was from a, a old contact friend uh, comic that I am a big fan of, Sally Mullins, that as the evils of social media that, that I talk about a great deal, now and then, now and then, there is a silver lining in the cloud. And I reconnected with Sally really recently over Twitter, and I'm like, hey, would you mind coming on and talking to Biff and I and, uh, you know, a few dozen of our hockey pals on our podcast? Oh, yeah, hockey. And she, uh, for, the, for whatever reason, the goodness of her heart, she decided to lower her standards and, uh, and come on board. So with that, I say, welcome, Sally. How are you? I'm great. And don't you remember my standards? <laughs> well, I do remember your standards. And even where your standards are, you've lowered them to talk with Biff and I. Trust me. Um, yeah, you, you don't want to meet these people. So <laughs> I, I had a it, – it's funny because you usually usually – you know, Biff's wife, like my wife and our friend Joe, who I started the podcast with, you know, we get people – we have friends around the world, you know, Biff's a native of Japan and Toronto and and a lot of people listen to the podcast except our significant others. But I wanted to give my wife the heads up. I'm like, hey, you know, you remember my friend Sally who does comedy and porn? You're going to be cool if she's on the podcast because the one time she listens, if I don't give her the heads up and she's like, why are you talking to porn people without me knowing? Yeah, yeah. It's Sally. It's, it's granny porn. It's okay. And, I, and so and I even told my friend Joe. So I I met Sally when I came out to L.A. for a short time. Joe came out and I started the podcast a few years ago with a mutual friend of Biff and mine, Joe. And Joe and I did a, a sketch comedy show in Boston that actually helped get me moved to L.A. And way back when, Sally, I don't know if you remember KC, uh, KCOP was a UHF channel. When I first got to L.A., I had a comedy music video show on that with a co-host of uh, the host was Tammy Heidi from K-Rock at the time. And that, oh, yeah. We did an episode and, and it was our tribute to Benny Hill. And it was the stupidest, absolute lowbrow humor for junior high kids. 
But it got us a lot of traction. You know, Playboy TV wanted us to shoot a sizzle. They want us to yeah. do other stuff. And that's when I put out an ad. I'm like, hey, um, we're going to shoot this thing. Can somebody and, and you came and you shot a bunch of promos for us. Yeah. Soon after that, life got crazy. Um, you know, Biff and I had a mutual friend. Um you know, some people know her as my first wife, ended up moving to Vancouver to play pro hockey. Joe moved back to Boston. And I'm like, yeah, this comedy thing that is my life is going to be put on the shelf. And uh, so this was like what year? This is Y2K. It's right around, right around there. You're right around there. Right yeah. around yeah. 2001. Yeah. You turn around and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Didn't I used to do all these fun things? And now I'm getting to get back into it. So like I said, I follow a bunch of comedians. There's a there's a great social activist comedian named Dante in L.A. Dante Rachelelli. I know him extremely well. I, I follow. I follow. I'm a fan he's of cool. comedy, but I'm a really fan of what he's doing every day in the streets. He's a, you know, a social justice guy and i think you came up on his oh you might know her yeah i think so i started following you i send out uh, you know i follow you you follow me back uh, i'm very old social media scares me <laughs> the poster my 11 year old has to plug in for me but so you follow me back and i dm you if i'm using the right term and i'm like hey do you have no or no i think i went to your website because yeah and I'm like, hey, by any chance, are you the same Sally Mullen who did porn? Of course I show, am. Who did this? <laughs> and, and 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 so that's how we saw her back. So I'm going to, again, introduce Sally. Sally is a comic and a huge fan of your work. You have a special right now that we play clips at the beginning that's on Amazon Prime called Take It Sleazy that is so cringeworthy, uncomfortably... <laughs> Over the top hysterical. And like, if you, if you're going to take, and I'm just saying this, if anybody hears me and says, oh, I'm going to go check out Sally, don't do it on a first date. Like, be really, <laughs> be really comfortable in who you're seeing the show with. Um, if you have an edible Rex complex with your mom, maybe you can bring your mom, but I would, oh my God. I would very much stay away if it's your first date. If you're, or you know, or you know, if it's your first date and that goes really well, I think you know it's it's due. You're due for a second date, right? I mean, that's what it. It's, yeah, you're going yeah. straight to the point, right? Well, okay, so you, you know what, Biff, you either found your soulmate or you found somebody who's going to wind up on Dexter's table. You know? Right, right, right. And, and, and nothing. Right. And there is there yeah. is no there is no in between. Um, Sally also has a podcast that I listened to the other day, and I'm like, oh, you know, not only is it funny, it's like there's there's like some funny, awkward helpful advice in here you know yeah. <laughs> but it's very raw the podcast very real very honest right i mean uh -huh. it's 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 like i'm a i'm sort of a mentor and i don't know why that is but i can't have coffee with everyone i can't go out for drinks with everyone i already have a big enough drinking problem so i do the podcast porn mom podcast is like a way to give advice if you want to get into porn you know, don't do what I did. You were you're in comedy. I mean, I'm passionate about comedy, so that part of it can get pretty intense. So I don't even know where to start because there's so many different places. Your world, my world, Biff worlds kind of intersects. One of them is when you say a porn mom. Currently, you just before we start, we pressed record. You are the proud mom of nine nine four legged creatures. 
eight? Yeah. Did you say eight or nine? Uh, it's up to nine. It, it was seven, and then two kittens uh, got put into my life over the pandemic. They're about about five months old now. That was one of the ones I held up to the screen, that right. little boy. Yeah. Uh, and Biff is a dog lover. And one of the things that Biff loves to point out to me, usually on a group text with all our hockey buddies, mm -hmm. is I'm not on Facebook, but he's friends with my wife on Facebook. And I cannot tell you how many times Biff has given me the heads up, Sally, that, oh, <laughs> my wife just adopted this other three-legged animal that just flew in from, you know, the country Qatar on a plane that I wasn't aware we were going to be hosting for the next week, month, four years, depending, because we foster and she works for a lot of rescues. And right now, there are three dogs, two blind cats in the laundry room that are quarantined because he just came off a plane. We have three cats of our own, so that's five. Six, so eight. So we're, we're only at eight right now. Um, but That's awesome. It's great. And when, like I said, you know, to see all the – you know, and I'm going to take a step back. When I first met Sally and I was shooting the promo for mine and Joe's show, it was called In the Crease TV – I was working with porn people at the same time, and I mean at the same time, and it's, it's hysterical because it's true, I was also working on the TV show Touched by an Angel. And the show's offices were right next to Jerry's Deli on Ventura in Studio City. The Which died. What's that? Which died. Which I think that – I think they did it. I think they I think rebuilt so. it. It burned yeah. out, but I think they rebuilt it. No, no, no. I think it, it, it died. It, I think they, well, In let's, COVID. Let's not, it's not important. Let's okay. move on. But so Jerry's <laughs> Deli. So the, the show was written at that office. It was shot in Salt Lake City, but it was posted in Los Angeles. And uh, the the executive producer, her name was Martha. She was dubbed by the media, the angel behind the angel. And it was a top 10 show. And the funny thing is I was on a, a hockey team with a lot of celebrities at the time. That's right around the time, you know, I met Biff and Biff knows these guys and nobody had heard of the show. I mean, it's a top 10 show and nobody on the West Coast or East Coast has heard of it. But the entire flyover states, everything in between shut down Sunday nights, you know, at eight o'clock to watch this show. And, I remember. And, and so here's the fucked up thing. That office was Rome while it was burning. Everybody in that office, all the writers came from the sitcom world because Martha used to run, uh, I think it was Facts of Life, and I forget the other show that she was um, showrunner on. And so all these people, there was like 10 writers in this office. It was a writer's office, and all of them were married. All of them were fucking each other. All of them were having affairs. They were... A couple of the people were really nice, but it was the biggest cesspool of backstabbing, ugliness. At the same time, on the weekends, I'm shooting with these porn people who are like, here we are. Here's who we are. Here's what we do. I mean, could not be more honest about either how they got into it. And like yourself, it's like, yeah, it's not out of the, the, the awful stories about, you know, desperation or this or that. There's a lot of that. Sure. But these, a lot of the people we were working with, it's like, this is my job. This is what I've chosen to do. I'm not ashamed of it. 
I'm in fact proud of it. And after we get done shooting, I'm going to this Coke party and fucking anybody who's there. Do you want to go? Uh, it was one. <laughs> but on the other hand, these these touched by an angel people in the media and in press. Oh, yeah. And, stuff, and even the cast. And, you know, and the funniest thing. One of the three people who I really liked at the office, who who were great mentors, who were wonderful people, you know, um, th this one guy, uh, Barabam is his name, couldn't have been more gay, couldn't have been more Jewish. And if our core audience had any idea that the Christmas special was written by a gay Jewish guy, they because we would get we would get photos of these small towns who all get together at the church on Sunday nights to watch it together, you know? And again, it's like, so I'm, I'm meeting Sally who's like, Hey, yeah, I, I do this, these, these spanking videos. I also have the show at sunset at the comedy shore. You should come check it out. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, what is with LA? Everyone has a fucking double life in one way or another. <laughs> one of the other guys untouched, one of the executive producers, uh, great guy. And I remember one time he was saying though, he's like, so what's your side gig? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm one 100% committed. This is it. And he looked at me like I was the biggest idiot. He says, the show could go away tomorrow. You know, if you don't have five oars in the water at once, if you're not leaving here and, and writing something on the side, networking over here, then you're the biggest fucking idiot I know. You know. Or you better be investing. You better be like investing with all your free time, like having fun, investing. Hey, there wasn't even crypto then, you know? What the fuck? <laughs> but, but so when we met, it's like, it was it was very eye opening. It's like, you know what? These 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 are my people. These are real people. And it's it's like I said, the, the dichotomy of I'm working on this God show on a network run by Satan. And on the other hand, you know, <laughs> these people who show up like and and a Satan T-shirt with the nibbles cut out are so much more real and honest. And it was fun. And like I said, it was it was it was very eye opening. And I think over the next year or so, you know, I, I saw a bunch of your things, you know, that my my, you know, current wife had just moved out. And like I said, we love to go to comedy shows. We've seen so much of it. And just last night, the clip that I play at the top, uh, my wife and I said, and Biff, Biff is also a huge, you know, I, I think the last family outing you did before COVID, didn't you go to a Jim Gaffigan thing? Together? Yeah, it was a Jim Gaffigan, yeah. You guys are way bigger comedy fans than I am, for sure. <laughs> well, why would you give money to the competition, right? <laughs> Well, it, it, well, it's the same thing. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's, it's escapism for us. For yeah. you, it's the grind. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so the wife and I sat down, and Sally's humor is so, and so cringeworthy. Awesome. It's, it's like it's so uncomfortable, and hilarious. And there's so many jokes. You're like, oh my god, I cannot believe I'm laughing at this. <laughs> Because oh it's sad. No, and, and it's like you, your 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 whole bit about like you know with the electric company, and it's like you're the nicest person who called us all day, and I'm <laughs> I'm not giving anything away, but but you know just watch the trailer, and and it's hard to watch the trailer and not say yeah I'm gonna either rent this or buy this. So the wife sat down last night, and she at least four or five times I had to hit the. 10 second back button because we missed the next joke Oh, because she either she or I like just belly laughed over it. And uh, what was really awesome 
is when I said, oh, this is Sally. Do you remember? She's like, no, not really, but like, I'll check it out. And within the first or second joke, she goes, oh my God. Yeah, we saw her oh, here. Yeah. We saw her. It, 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 there was a little makeshift comedy place. All I remember is right across the street from one of those great, oh, what street was it on? Like a junkyard type thing where like you'd be driving down and you're like oh this is where people buy giant like 10 foot flintstone you know next to like some pottery stuff uh but we had we had seen you a bunch of places yeah. we absolutely loved it and and again it's 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 like biff said if you're on a first date and they like it you might have found your soulmate or you might have found <laughs> somebody that you just have to run from uh, you know um one of the things I love about watching comedy specials at home, because I have the memory of a fruit fly, I'll, I'll try to tell somebody the joke the next day. It's like, oh, I saw this comic and they were talking about this. And, but, I, you know, in a comedy club, you can't sit there and take notes because, oh, yeah. this bastard's stealing my joke. It's like, <laughs> no, this bastard loves your stuff and you have to be able to tell people, dude, you have to check out this. So I, I was, you know, I was making, you know um, – uh, you, you, you know, your, your wee dress Coke vibes thing. Uh, <laughs> I have like nine of those dresses. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. The little the little interviews with people afterwards, there was like so many of like, where do you get this dress? I know those people. Oh, my God. My friends who came and saw the show and and like those parts were like, that was the greatest way to end the special. Just talking to the audience and having them say weird stuff. And yeah, everyone was like, I love the dress. The, the- <laughs> Great way to start the show because I, I don't remember when it became a thing that you have to do a comedy skit before the 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 comic walks on, uh, you know, for their thing now. But your little, maybe it was a ninety second build up. You know, your bio was if you wrote that bio, <laughs> it was so every way that you could build yourself up simultaneously, tearing yourself down. <laughs> And I'm trying to think of like some of the, you know, some of the, you know, uh, but, you know, but I am, I'm scrolling through. Broke ass Nicole Kidman. That that was it. Right. White trash Susan Sarandon. Um, You know, and again, I'm not going to mention any of the stuff in the special, but just the stuff in the trailer when you're like, you know, I went from looking like a soccer mom to the soccer mom who left her kids. It's like, (laughs) that's awful. Uh, You know, and my friend Joe came up with the term awful sum and and what is it awful what awful sum awful sum yeah (laughs) and and the in the whole thing um you know some of us are just from florida it's like yeah 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 that well you know what people rag on florida so hard and i kind of defend it but you know you gotta because see when i grew up in florida in the 80s it wasn't it wasn't as crazy it like north florida is way crazier than south florida plus you can't tell it's crazy when you're in it being crazy you know you're just living your life. Is, is that is there like a North Florida, South Florida thing that we like misconception that the rest of the country has? Like uh, just like North Northern California and Southern California are completely yeah. different animals, right? It, absolutely different animals. Although NorCal like is way more woke, you know, than SoCal, <laughs> yada yada. And SoCal's got like these Republican bastions, but. Uh, North Florida is more like country, you know, it's more like near Alabama and it's a lot of, it's big schools. I mean, it's UF and FSU, but South Florida is more the beach and, you know, more crack. 
I um, <laughs> I have two really good friends who are from North Florida, and and one of them. You know, he's been in the same industry as you forever, and he always refers to uh, North Florida as L.A., Lower Alabama. <laughs> and, and, That's funny. And I've done a lot of sports things, like, you know, um, with Major League Sports and the different things. I've been to Florida a number of times, and what I found, it doesn't matter if you're in Tampa, if you're in Jacksonville, if you're in Orlando, you're in Miami. It's all the same great urban cities with NFL and NHL teams, all this stuff. But you go 10 minutes outside of any major city in Florida, and it is Ned Beatty, square like a pig, banjo music, run for your fucking life. It's how how L.A. is like, I mean, I'm looking to buy property now, but it's not in L.A. It's it's like in redneck meth areas because that's all you can (laughs) afford, you know, like all I can afford anyway. But every I kind of feel like everywhere is like that, like you just turn a corner. And it's a whole different vibe. It, it, it is true to some extent. It is true to some extent. You know, I, I right now I live about a half hour outside of Boston. And from one town to the next, it's like, oh, these these elementary schools and high schools are the equivalent of prep schools in Los Angeles. The next yeah. town over, the next town over, it's like, oh, Oh, okay. Am I in Bakersfield all of a sudden? <laughs> this, you know, and, and, and you know, the only reason Bakersfield exists is so Fresno can feel good about itself. <laughs> it's, uh, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the typical stupid interview stuff because I really want to know, and I know you got to be bored of talking. To, did you come to LA to do comedy? Did you come to LA to do porn? Did you come to LA to do comedy? You fell into porn? Did you come to LA to do porn and fell into comedy? What was it? What came first? Neither of those. Okay, I didn't move to L.A. for either one of those. Uh, I just wanted a change. I really wanted to move to Greece. I had been working at a children's theater in Florida, and I was trying to turn it into an adult theater. Um, and I, <laughs> so you went, you went all the way. Adult. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to, you know, mold it a little bit. So I, we were having fun. We had like a black box theater, and we were doing some cool plays. We were doing Shakespeare. We were doing John Guare. We were doing like the mouse trap you know by agatha christie and i really i was just overworked and overwhelmed and i had been to greece a couple of times and i wanted to go live in greece and then i met a dude and i was kind of like all right i'm 25 he's 23 or something let's give oh i was a little older yeah maybe, maybe i was a little bit of a cougar yeah but i'm like I'm, I'm approaching my late 20s i need to give this relationship thing a chance so i had a regular serious boyfriend and he wanted to move to la because he wanted to get into production and he was from uh, Gainesville Um, we moved to LA and I was screenwriting because I didn't want to like start over as an actor because I'd already done a lot of acting TV film commercials Florida and a lot of theater and I was like I want to perform still but I don't want to rehearse but I want to write I mean I came out here to do screenwriting but I'm bored I, I mean I want I mean I need to perform so I looked in the back of the LA Weekly and I saw a comedy class by Greg Dean and there was a free audit and that dude is really good Greg Dean and I went and I did the free audit and I was like oh yeah I mean I've always been funny you know and I got up in front of the class and I just instantly like felt the energy of making people laugh 
And I was like, I'm in. I'll take this class. It's a bunch of dudes. And like there weren't as many women in comedy. And I was happy about that because I wanted to get away from the dude I moved out there with. <laughs> so I signed up for his class. And so, you know, it's it's funny when you say it's how much it's changed and it's 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 changing more, but it's not changing fast enough. Um, I, how, how do you feel? Has has the times up in the Me Too thing, which is funny to ask, uh, you know, a woman who who works in the porn industry and company, yeah. which are both cesspools of humanity, not, you know, not on the talent side, but on the people who bottom feeders who feed off the talent side and stuff like that. Is it easier to be a comic? Is it easier to be a content provider like now than it even was two or three years ago? Or is it just as difficult to to kind of navigate those waters? Well, it's really funny you should ask that because I was on set last night, a night shoot with a regular movie. It's going to be an R-rated movie that I had to take my clothes off in this movie. And it was almost like a non-sexual thing, but I had to get naked in this movie. And everyone was just so chill and so respectful. And granted, you know, I'm 53 almost. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. But I'm sure that even a few years ago, there would have been like one or two guys who were like, hey. I've seen your porn, you know, like uh, just a couple of things I had to deal with that got kind of gross, but there was nothing like that. It was just like artists. It was, and I, I thought that things really have gotten better. What I feel like I have is more power now. I feel like people have my back. Like if there's a club owner and he wants to take out his dick, I feel like I can just say, oh, hey, I don't, I don't want to see it. Like, no offense, but please don't do that. And like, that's that. The buck stops there. But the fact or, that, that even still happens is just still mind numbing. Well, honestly, I don't even think it's still happening. It's not still happening to me. I'm sure it's still happening to younger girls. But I just feel you've got a better chance of being able to control the situation and having people back you up. I mean, it's funny because, again, this is 2000, 2001 when Joe and I did that. Over the next few months, we became friends with a lot of the actresses and their either their significant others who drove them to and from. And they loved working with us because we actually as much as the comedy, again, was just so fucking stupid. You know, there's one skit where uh, Joe and I are in an office, our desks are closed, and he's like, oh, I don't think the new girl's working out. And I'm like, oh, I'll say something. I hit the button. This girl sitting behind a desk in a blazer answers the phone and we're like, Ashley, we don't think you're working out. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. She pushes back from her desk, takes off her blazer, and there's a weight bench next to her desk. And she just starts doing bench presses. It's so fucking stupid. And we shot it with a sports bra, and then she did it naked for a rated R. And the fact yeah. It, it, you know, so yes, we treated them so misogynistic. It was like I said, it was a tribute to Betty Hill. It was, too, but we treated the actresses like like people. God forbid. Yeah, you know, uh, didn't try to lecherously like, oh, you want to get drunk after? It's like, thank yeah. you so much for coming and doing this. Over the next couple months, we kept getting calls. It's like, are you shooting again? Hey, can you write something for me? Hey, I'm trying to transition to this stuff, and it was like they were just so blown away because oh, they got to meet people who didn't 
take their dick out, <laughs> you know, just to Yeah, say. there wasn't any sexual harassment there. Yeah. I mean, I was doing scenes with you guys where, you know, I can't remember if I showed my tits, but other people did, like, right in front of me. And I never remember a vibe of any guy trying to, like, capitalize on it. Because, I mean, you know, I'm from the 80s. Like, we were like, oh, yeah, he's going to hit on you. I mean, just flirt with him. But, you know, you don't have to do anything, of course. I'm from that era where you kind of had to, like, play along if someone was a perv that's how you got the job yeah. but that's gone well it's i i hope it's funny oh. because you know like and, and biff biff and i have played hockey yeah. with some of the biggest names in, in in tv and movies it's just weird this is this is inner circle hockey sally in in la and without being the douchebag name dropping things you know it's funny because you know i was talking to tom hanks at jay leno's house and he was saying he can't stand the way marty film and drops names now but uh but it's like and, and so we'll go to these events because we come friends with people and it's unbelievable how many people will you know females will come up and offer to do awful things to meet people or you know we've been behind the velvet rope and we see people who like like this band or like this artist and biff's been there and i've been there where we're like hey do you want to come say hi you know what i mean it's like yeah people who capitalize on that it's like when you see it in movies it's like oh right that does happen but i i don't like yeah but talking to you it's like i don't know how much that has changed yeah. my next question are you are we done saying you're a female comic or are you just a comic? Have people like, have we gotten past the, um, the, the Jerry Lewis women aren't funny barrier where you're not a female comic, you're a comic. I feel like in LA clubs and, you know, like big city clubs, you're a comic. I mean, God forbid you say, what's that comedian, you know, C I E N N E. Oh my goodness. But you go outside of LA. This is what we were just talking about with you turn a corner. Like I get these road gigs. I mean, I was in LA and I didn't think anyone was voting for Donald Trump. And then I got a gig like two hours away and I find out, yeah, they are, you know, they've got his back. And that's just two hours outside of Los Angeles. So I think on the road, it's a different story. They're not going to send two women two hours away on the road for the most part because people that won't put butts in seats they're going to come out and see they'll skip the comedy show that week even the women probably will yeah i i, hear, I did hear a lot of that like i listened to um uh uh a podcast from uh uh, uh jackie cation and Lori kilmartin uh -huh. and they talk they talk a lot about in these just regionally or whatever these clubs where you know they they feel like they have to always have the male comic on as the headliner or whatever and yeah. you know, all this and it's ridiculous and it's it's as if like people actually aren't listening to the comedy right it's it's like just about it's like anything else where you know why are you contextualizing you know you know these you know these entertainment products based on some arbitrary you know thing like a genre I, I, your gender it's like you know funny is funny right and that's the thing that i can't get past because there are just so many funny people and you know many of them are women and many of them are, are men right i mean it's that's really where it's at it's the way it's the way people think and like often i'm at a gig and i've been in comedy over 20 years and then there's a dude who's the headliner because i go out on the road as a feature a lot and there's a dude who's a headliner and you know what 
Maybe he's only been in comedy 12, 13 years, but he's an experienced headliner. He's more experienced on the road. He's more experienced doing an hour. That is cool. But I've also been in situations where I'm the feature and then there's a headliner who's got about seven years in and he doesn't have many credits and he doesn't have a special and he's not that experienced. It's just that he's a dude yeah so they naturally shifted us into and the person booking that might even have been a woman it's just like how they're conditioned to think you know that you know so, it's, it's so we i i try to stay on the rails with the sideshows um so biff and i record every two weeks one week it's a catch-all thing and it's always off the rails and then we do these focus sideshows but yeah the the whole it's 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 a nauseating and and tough for me, because because what you go up against, you know, my mom couldn't possibly imagine a woman being president, you, you, right? You, you know, and and it, it was really hard a few years ago because, you know, my my niece was getting really involved. This is. 2012 like you know i forget when it was that said maybe it was 2016 but anyways she yeah no it was like 2012 she was um my niece was graduating high school and my mom's like she needs to be focused she shouldn't be getting that involved in politics and it's and my sister's like mom she turns 18 this year this is the perfect time to get involved and but my mom couldn't she's gonna be voting but she could yeah. my mom couldn't and the same thing it's like when and it, you know when somebody you would assume okay a woman's gonna open the doors or not or not be put you in this 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 you know category that career will keep you in this box or that box you think it's like now i'm gonna you know, get to work with somebody because on the other side to run a club as a female, you know, she has to fight through the same level of shit and barriers on that side of it that you have to be to be. A yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I was actually some club bookers were talking on a Zoom. It was like a Zoom panel with the Palm Springs Comedy Festival through the pandemic. And one female club booker, she said, I want the bill I put up to be funny. And if I've got six comics on it and then I don't have a woman, somebody's going to call me out for not having a woman. But if I think that guy in the number four slot was funnier, then I want to leave that guy in there. She goes, first and foremost, I want a funny show. I don't have I don't want to worry about having to fill a quota, you know, race and sex. And, you know, it's uh, it's tough because. You do have to, I think you, you know, you got to look out for some diversity in a lineup just because your audience, even if you think that female comic is not as funny, think about your audience who wants the variety. Because I remember when Kevin Hart was doing a tour and this guy who I was friends with, and he was a Kevin Hart fan and he was a guy. And uh, he said, I don't want to go see that because it's like four or five dudes. He goes, I want the female perspective. If I'm going to sit through a whole comedy special or a movie, at least I want that like variety, that experience. It's not a complete experience to me. Yes. As, as an audience member, I, I, I'm kind of um, I'm right there with you from the standpoint of, I mean, how many you know of these stupid, you know, 
dick jokes do I need to hear from these dudes, right? Or whatever the case may be, right? I don't, you know, we had that one Andrew Dice Clay or whomever else you want to name, right? One of these older, you know, I don't need that, you know, rehashed, right? And that's the thing that's great about, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, women who do comedy or like, you know, uh, you know, you know, minorities or, you know, you know, people, you know, who are, you know, like, you know, immigrants who do comedy. I mean, they what they talk about and their stuff and their approach is just so different. Yeah, I will say, though, that by needing to diversify it, you've also got a lot of people and that's like all they talk about, like all they talk and and they're a new comic and they're not that developed and they don't have that strong of a point of view. All they have is like, here's jokes about my family who's from here and they're different, but it's not really like a refined point of view. It's not that experienced of an act, but, and you know, that's going to happen. I think comedy is going to be, in an even better place yeah. in three years but Super, i do yeah. think it's improving all the time you know it's growing all the time it's got to have growing pains though well the, well it's funny because the whole wave of well i can't say this in the woke culture and and look there there, there is something to it it's so so many comics that i know and i like who going back 10 years started saying yeah i used to make my living you know, I would have a comedy special, which I make no money on, but oh my God, the college booking, it gets me. But then the colleges became too woke or whatever, yeah. you know, but at the same, at the same time, on one hand, it's like, yeah, I think people have become uber sensitive in certain issues. On the other hand, it's like, I, look, I grew up worshiping Don Rickles, like as a role model, when I was nine, maybe that choice was ill-advised. Um, yeah, have you seen how he looks? Even his diet. Right. And and it's like, so Biff and I play on this hockey team in L.A., Sally, and our locker room is, is kind of like a U.N. There's every race, creed and color in there and the, you know, and women. And, and you know, one of my best friends, you know, it, it, she's my wife's one of my wife's best friends. Absolutely love her. Like the 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 joking racism, misogyny between us, you know what I mean? And and the and this just between buddies, it's horrible. We we would all have to cancel ourselves if anybody ever saw. Yeah. But as far as a comic going out there, it's it's like people who look like me who are like, well, it sucks because I can't make jokes about hitting women anymore. I can't make jokes about people struggling because of their social economic status and the zip code they were born in. Why can't I make fun of the, you know, oh, I'm getting canceled because, you know, I, I keep, you know, um, and, and, and part of me is like, yeah, I kind of get that. It was easier when you could, you know, do do these jokes about like the difference between this color and that color, the difference between this race and this. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, all those jokes were done uh, before amplification and microphones were in front of comics. And yeah. I, I, I think I think we don't need that. If you're if you can't be funny without the absurdity of life around you, if you have to use, uh, you know, that as a crutch and so, like, you know, when I when I you know I. When I work out bits, like I, I, I joke about my own family because it's true. My brother-in-law, he's from Columbia, he's a landscaper. You know, my mother-in-law, you know, was from Korea. She ran a laundromat. My mother of Irish descent is drunk. You know, I mean, you can still have things like that, but you don't have to do be mean about it or be demeaning about it. Uh, yeah. And I do. I think over the next few years, like the comics that I love, the comics that I love, again, like, you know, the Emo Phillips, um, I don't ever remember any joke he's 
told in the last 40 years it's going to get him canceled. <laughs> I, I don't really worry about it so much with my stuff because I just tend to bash myself. But I do tend, I do tell some jokes that are dark and they they can be degrading. And you know, I do have certain views. I mean, has it gotten too woke? Yeah, there's a lot of situations where it's kind of ridiculous, and you have to let you have to let comics be comics. I don't. I think that. If you get canceled or or if there's a, a big problem you start on the internet, then you have to decide, like, do I want to kind of adapt to like what's palatable now or, you know, or do I want to sort of like go with my own flow because when Roseanne when Roseanne you know she tweeted racist stuff when she was high on Ambien or whatever some people were saying well Roseanne has this huge following she should go on the road and just people who want to come see Roseanne can come see Roseanne you know but I don't think that those people who talk shit or they went blackface to some dance or something I don't think they want like a big racist following. You know, I don't think that they, <laughs> right. Right? I think they fucked or, up. Or let's hope that's, not, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that's I don't think anyone's like, you know what? I'll just get my people and we'll do my tour. I don't uh -huh. think that they're looking for that, you know? So maybe better for now that they they say, hey, sorry, I didn't, you know, this is who I am. And then maybe like chill and adapt, you know, try to adapt a little bit. You know, I, I, it's it's funny because I remember, you know, when one of the one of the things I really miss about L.A., one of the things I really miss. And again, I got there mid late 90s is um, I, I, I one of the many reasons I moved out there was to do music and comedy. And I was working in this post house. And on a Thursday, I would get the L.A. Weekly and I would. <laughs> plot out the 10, 12 places over the next four days that I was going to go do an open mic. Yeah. You know, and you could, you could go absolutely anywhere. And, and I would like, okay, I'm going to go here. And if I get there early and sign up, I'll get on by like eight 39. But then if I drive over here and I sign up, I might get on around 11 midnight and maybe I could squeeze in one more uh, just before the pandemic hit. And it's something else I want to talk with you about in, in, in a few minutes, your military stuff. Um, when, when I lived, my wife in 2014, we got she got a job that moved us to the country, Qatar. I ended up becoming friends with a guy who... Oh, worked, cool. Yeah, works for Armed Forces Entertainment. You know, he's, oh, yeah. He's one of my two buddies who right now is in North Florida, but he, he was a Marine for eight years. In his last year in the Marines, he was stationed in Bahrain. He got stationed in the Armed Forces Entertainment office. And when he was getting ready to leave the military, they're like, do you want a job? So he's been there for 28 years, loves it. And I've booked a lot of tours with him with uh, with the Big Three, the WNBA. And just before the pandemic, you know, a, a mentor of mine who's a, a big, you know, has done, I don't know, 25, you know, $200 million blockbuster movies. We were going to do several tours. And as you know, with the military tours, uh, they are phenomenally cheap. You know, uh, yeah. And it's like I had the option. It's like, well, I could bring a host like an MC or a camera guy. And I'm like, well, even though I went to film school, I've never loaded film. I'm not I'm not. That's not my thing. Like, I am not. Same here. Guy. So I'm like, well, I used to do this stuff. So I'll tell you what. 
I'll, I'll be the comic. I'll do 10 minutes of warm up. I'll bring the guy out, you know, do the little fun interview, talk about the movie, show the movie. And I moderate the Q&A after with, with the soldiers. And I, I started to put some material together with my friend Joe. I live in Boston, Sally. Boston. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm ready to start doing some open mics just to get used to being in front of a crowd. There's none. Like there is none within an hour radius. We spent like an entire weekend looking for places to do it. And I mean, okay, I can drive an hour and a half with no traffic to this place on the other side of the state because on Tuesday nights they have things. And it's damn right. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I listen to a lot of comic podcasts and, and different comics and they're like, yeah, I'll go to New York. I'll have a new bit and I can hit four or five places a night. You know, to watch yeah, that's stuff. what everyone says about New York. But L.A., you know, L.A., you have to do a little more driving, but you can, yeah. you know, do you, you can go to the Ice House on like a Sunday night and then, you know, the comedy store they have a monthly open you can you can get these open mics at these huge famous places but there's so many makeshift comedy things it's like you know at this bar or that bar and i, I just completely sidebar but one of the things about world culture is i remember i used to do this bit i was at a place and it was the first time in my life i got hit on by a dude and it was awkward <laughs> and uncomfortable and, you know my wife when i talked about this like my wife always loves it because she's like you get it like like she's like now imagine that every single time you've ever gone into a bar your entire life right. that's what it's like having a vagina <laughs> you know and yeah so when i used to talk about that i wasn't making fun of the dude making fun of i wasn't homophobic about it you know at the time i probably was more homophobic when that event happened and that right. kind of cured homophobia for me because i'm like <laughs> Oh, oh, dude, just go. You know what I mean? It, it was like it was. It turned out to be this funny exchange. But when I put it in my bit, I wasn't. This guy is awful because he does X, Y, and C. I'm a better. And that's the thing. As far as a comic goes, if you can say, "Oh, I was in this uncomfortable situation. I was the, you know, you know." And and I've talked about it. Like the last tour I did with the military. It was with Ice Cube's Big Three, and it was you know six XBA X ex-NBA guys, the woman who put it together, who I will never stop loving. She she manages a bunch of these guys. You know, her assistant and my assistant, I was the only white dude. And I never felt uncomfortable. So when I talk about, like, you know, that, and it's like there was there was those, those jokes where they were kind of trying to turn on me. It's like, oh, how does it feel? And I would make jokes back. But it never became something of, like, it, it, it was a race thing without being a race thing. You know, again, yeah. when, when this guy had hit on me at the time, it was it was a funny, it was an awkward moment for me that I'm like, oh, my God, this is awful. And then even in the moment, I'm thinking, I'm going to use this. I, I remember. Of course. <laughs> but without, it's like, so this fan came up to me. It's like, no. Well, if you can't, if, if I can't talk about that experience without using a derogatory term, then I'm not funny enough to even be in front of a mic in my own basement. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, uh, God, well, there's but but now there's also I hear so much shit on stage, too, though, that's sort of like uh, comics do tend to go with what's trending. So right now it's like so much like man bashing 
that's not really coming from an authentic place. It's more like this will really work. Everybody hates straight white men right now. So I'm going to go with that. And is that really coming from your heart? Is that really funny to you? Or are you just trying to like follow what's trending on Twitter? I mean, that's what I feel like a lot of a lot of comics are kind of doing. They're like, yeah, I don't want to get canceled. And you got to be really woke right now. And that's what's on TV. So they're just writing this act that they think people want to hear and get behind. You know, as, as a straight white man um, who is the butt of all these jokes, yeah, we fucking have it coming. Like, like we deserve, <laughs> we deserve each and every one. And then straight white comics who are out there is like, it's not fair. It's like, you know, a black guy can say this about me. A woman can say this about me. A Mexican can say this about me. It's like, yes. Yes, they can. <laughs> I'm not saying you didn't have it coming. Yeah, I'm not saying you don't deserve it. I'm not saying you you're you know you're not gonna get more of it. But I just like as a comic, I'm like kind of bored of hearing it. Yeah. Because right. I think I think a comic is sort of saying, okay, I you talk about my special being cringeworthy and, and gradually I've been like naturally I've been doing this like 20 years, but I'm talking about some shit that people don't necessarily want to hear. You know, I had to I had to start and work through a lot of people in the audience feeling sorry for me and not laughing and being made uncomfortable. I had to work that shit for like almost two years before I put the special up, you know, and I feel a lot of people are taking an easy way out. They're like, hey, what's what's kicking ass right now? Trashing, trashing white people, you know, let's right. do it. Well, you so and, and I, I want to reemphasize when I say cringeworthy. I say cringeworthy, awesome. You know, I remember, I remember Sarah Silverman saying, if you look back at, at something, a comedy you did five years ago and you're not cringing, you weren't doing it right because you weren't <laughs> yourself. Yeah, and, yeah. And with all, but the thing is, you make your, you know, you you put yourself in the center. It's like you are, I don't want to say butt of the joke, but you're, yes. you're like, but at the same time, you're you're doing it in a laugh with me, don't, you know, not at me type thing. And, and you don't talk politics at all except your one joke about your economy not being that good you know yeah i'm like it's like yeah there's so much fun around you know different things that you don't have to just do the same and again a lot of the comics that i like the biff likes you know it's it's you you can take a routine from uh for, for from um brian regan it's not dated stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you can yeah. take a 20 year bit and what he's doing today. Jim Gaffney, yeah. you can take, you know, a 20 yeah. year old bit and stuff like that because it, again, it's not, it's not, it's incredibly funny, but it's not dick jokes and it's not, right. you know, yeah. you know, these jokes and the same, all of your jokes, they're, they're so relatable. You live such an unrelatable life, <laughs> but, but you make it very accessible to you know what I mean? I I don't know if I'm saying that the right way. Like, no, that makes sense. Like, like like again, like your thing with the water and power. Like if n everybody has had those phone calls, and again, it, it it's so hard not to say, oh, this bit where you say that because I don't want to give one punchline away because people have to either rent or buy it on Amazon Prime, taking it sleazy. But but it's like, yeah, I've had those conversations. Like your your life and my life were so different. But you know, here I'm a straight white guy north of Boston, and you're in it in L.A. and it's it's like, yeah, I get that because I've 
had those situations. I've had those. So, so your comedy isn't going to be in five years if somebody looks at your special and say, yeah, I don't get that. Or it's like, yeah, that might have been funny in 2020, but it's not funny now. Like, no, it's, it's all the things that you brought, you know, to the forefront about yourself, about your life, about life is something that's not going to get you canceled and is going to hold up, you know, when you did it and in five and in 10 years, it was really great. It was really, really great. But you make people laugh with you in the situations, not looking down at anybody else that you talk about. Even, even yeah. when you talk about homeless people, even yeah. the glowing way you talk about homeless people. <laughs> no, and I, I mean, I'm talking shit on men. I'm doing stuff. You know, I'm bashing dudes in my own way because I'm talking about real life experiences, but that's what you've got to do. You've got to live your life. I mean, if you're going out to open mics every night, that's great, but you also have to live your life and you've got to be able to pull material from your life because I guess my point is, first of all, I host a lot of shows, so I hear a lot of comedy and I hear a lot of comedy that's not really ready yet, but I also hear a lot of people who are starting to develop and like people will talk shit and go this guy's not funny i go give him a chance he's got something there i've seen people get really funny i'm a big advocate of you know taking classes and doing open mics and working your craft i'm very encouraging but you've got to take your shit from your own life not from what you think is trending or for what you think is going to get you on tv and that's how you're going to develop your point of view that's authentic you know it's 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 one of those things that i found Traveling around the globe, as Biff has, most most of the people I, I end up meeting um, who who have racist tendency, we say, don't, you know, it's like, oh, I've met this black guy, so I know what I'm talking about. Like, literally live in these bubbles where it's like, dude, you live here. You know, you know, your your, your whole joke, you know, and, and, and uh, about teaching, like teaching English and, and the whole taking. Oh, well, they're going to take my yeah. job. You, you're helping yeah. me take my job. It's like, you know, I, I, I've said that to certain people. I'm like, OK, so you're worried about this woman walking 5000 miles carrying her child. She's not coming here to steal my TV. And if she is, yeah. Yeah. I will help her carry it out. But it's like. <laughs> What do you like? I, people used to be amazed because even when I lived like in Playa in North Hollywood, I almost never in my whole experience in LA locked my doors because A, I always had incredibly friendly but barking dogs. And two, yeah. I, if you, it's so much more expensive than to replace a door that's been kicked in. <laughs> than, than the shitty TV or couch that I have, and, and I live on a, I, I lived on the second floor of this apartment in North Hollywood. That you know, to get a couch up there was a Herculean effort. It's like, dude, if you can get this shit out, then God, <laughs> I will grab the heavy end, you know. But please don't. Get <laughs> that's my fucking door funny. In. No, but it, but it, but that's that's the whole thing. When if your comedy comes from living, because a lot of these people who have these paint by numbers, like either either rely on stereotypes, rely on racism, rely on massage. It's like, yeah, because you're getting that on a sitcom you watched in the 70s or 80s growing up. Yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. pulling from life experiences. Yeah. And, and and the people that, that I really like, uh, you probably get this question a lot because you're a comic and you happen to be a female. Are you are you for or against? Because I I'll, I'll tell you now, 
Miss Maisel was one of my favorite shows in the last 10 years. Did you like or not like that show or the show Hacks, which is about women who happen to not? I haven't seen either one of them. Really? Uh, I was too busy actually doing stand-up to watch Miss Maisel. I was just too busy. Nice. Like I do stand-up like three or four nights a week. I haven't seen a single episode of it. I saw the trailer for Hacks. I'll tell you what I watched over the pandemic. I, I loved a lot of stuff. I loved The Serpent on Netflix. Um, I loved uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, the miniseries, because that's where I grew up in England. And that was really, I loved a teacher. A teacher was great. I loved Waco. But I'm probably not going to watch something about comedy so much, you know, because I'm out of the clubs all the time. No, I get, yeah. I, I, Biff, Biff watches so much hockey it is crazy <laughs> no and it's great but like my whole life it's like i always watched like either the la kings when i lived there or the bruins and i i, I like that but honestly if even even in high school even in college and stuff like that i I'd, I'd much rather be at the rink playing yeah than, than home watching and people would always assume oh did you see this did you see that it's like no i was I, I was yeah. out there doing yeah. that myself, yeah. you know, right. and, and um, but no, I didn't know if like because these they're they're two series that are about very strong, you know, powerful and, and, and one in the late 50s, which is, you know, it, it's a great it's a great show. My wife, like every time I watch it, my wife is one of those. Did you see the wallpaper in the background or because uh-huh. she likes the style? I'm like, no, I was actually watching her tell jokes. Uh, and then and then the show hacks, which is really good. But again, there was just That's like, new, know, yeah. kind of along those, though, I do have, you know, because, you know, what I think one of the things that, you know, as audience members and most of us don't re- really realize is how much of a craft it is that you do. Right. I mean, you I mean, when you talk about you, you, you talked earlier about two years of, you know, getting it to a point where you can put it in a special. So, I mean, how does your like craft work in terms of um, refining, a, you know, a, an idea, a joke, do you, you know, did the pandemic hurt it because you didn't have an audience or, how, you know, how did that work? How does that work for you? Well, I'll tell you what, I really, that's a really sweet question. I feel like I definitely grew as an artist over the pandemic and it was because of Zoom. I probably did about 300 hours of Zoom comedy shows. I loved sitting on my ass in my room, maybe getting crocked. Um, I like hosted the Palm Springs International Comedy Festival. I did a bunch. I did the Boston Comedy Festival for the first time via Zoom. Nice. So I met a bunch of people over Zoom, and now some of them I'm meeting in real life, but I definitely felt like I grew as an artist. Hell, I developed about 45 minutes of material. You know, if I weren't so busy just like getting back to stuff, if somebody said, hey, we need a new special, we need to record it in a month, I could, I would hit the, I would just grind and do it. But it's one of those things like as an indie comic, everything you produce, you produce yourself. So nobody's going to pay you and say, hey, here's $5,000 so you don't have to hustle in any other way for six weeks. (laughs) So that's not going to happen. But I will say I grew as an artist and I like doing Zoom comedy. And I think it helped me with my timing. Oh, that's awesome. And I accomplished a lot. And I also made more money than I'm used to making on OnlyFans. I moved up a damn tax bracket my insurance <laughs> cost went up i didn't take any government money i took i mean hell i took the uh i took the whatchamacallit check i took the stimulus check because right. i came out but i 
I really made like a little more money. Like it felt, it felt good. I hustled on OnlyFans. I got a lot of new fans and a lot of those fans from OnlyFans, they came to my Zoom comedy shows. Nice, that's awesome. Biff and I talked about this over the pandemic. There's so many comedy shows, which whether it's a a Lewis Black, you know, I I paid to watch, Oh, Pat Oswald and stuff like so many people I love. But then there was people who I like follow, like Maria Bamford, who yeah. routinely posts. It's like if anybody can jump on in the next hour, I got to work out this 10 minute bit. I'll send you a t-. like huge people like her were like, hey, I got to work out stuff. I need an audience. Log on and I'll give you a T-shirt to come log on or I'll do. And it was so uh. right now. And then a month later, she's like. Yep, here's my new special that you know I can't thank these people. So it, it's fun because I end up doing a, a, a similar thing where I couldn't find open mics. I'm going to have to do these military tours. I ended up reaching out to a bunch of comics. I'm like, or, or people who've done it before, haven't done it, or funny people. I'm like, I need to work out. Can we start a club? And and I ended up starting a weekly club that now I'm talking to a, um, a place here in Lowell, Mass. I have a meeting next Tuesday. It's like, I don't want to host a stand-up night. I don't want an open mic night. What I'm starting is a, a basically a collaborative, basically something where it's a stand-up club where you come, you do your thing, but part of the deal is you have to do punch-up on other people's stuff. Like afterwards, like you can't do your stuff and bail. You have to do your stuff. Yeah. Stay for yeah. a couple people. And then literally, here's here's my stuff here's your stuff how can we all get on the same page um let's wrap it up which is a really good note sally uh (laughs) where can everybody see your comedy oh thank you um well i mean obviously on amazon uh the specials on there and also i've got porn mom podcast which is every monday that's on all the podcast platforms and then if somebody just wants to check out like sleazy cheesy little skits or whatever <laughs> if you go to sally that's my youtube and i've just got a ton of crap in fact you guys might like this one um of the things i do on there is i'll be trying to make a porn clip right so i'll be laying on my bed and i'll be like i know i'm your stepmom but i have feelings for you and then a cat <laughs> will like jump on the bed or something so I have to go, cut cut you know it's just like selfie stuff and and then like a you know a pet will invade the screen so those get a lot of attention on there i am so so glad that a we reconnected uh, i know um it, it, it your your special again i i'm i'm saying this flat out my wife and I sat there and kept having to hit the 10 second button, you know, over it and over. That makes us. me feel really good. When are you guys coming to LA? We don't, we don't know. There's a, there's a bunch of projects that it's home. Like, you know, we, we want to be there. We left there cause she had this great job. We traveled life through a curveball. We came back here, but almost every day we're like, yeah, we got to get back there. That said, like, you know, the, the, the house we live in and a pool and a great place is about half the our mortgage is about half the rent we paid for a two-bedroom place in Vegas. Exactly. Well, let me invite you guys because I'm trying to get a house like in Barstow, like the high desert, by the end of the year. And when I get that house, I'm going to have the biggest fucking party. You know? So you, that's, this is an early invite. Are you looking for it? Are you going to uh, get back on the road? Are you going to do more military tours? Are you looking for it? Do you like those really quickly? Because uh, we're going to let you go. Do you like those? 
I love the military tours are awesome. I think that you have to be a really good comic to do them. I grew a lot. I love them. That was when I stopped depending on alcohol because you went to bases and they were dry. I had some of the most amazing shows of my career. I don't think I can do military tours anymore because I do porn. Oh, I think it might be an issue. Which is so fucking because because as we know, nobody on bases looks at porn. You know, if, there, if there's one thing I know about Christians in Utah, they don't ever look at porn, says the guy who worked in Utah on a show where I think they digest twice as much as I do. And that's fucking saying a lot. A lot. That's saying a lot. <laughs> Sally, you were awesome. Um, you know, I'm going to continue to bug you about, you know, uh, uh, doing other projects and stuff like this. I'm so glad we connected. Um, I know. When I you have it. always been such a great guy. And you know what? You look exactly the fucking same. Yeah. You look the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because he no trimmed his nose hair for you today. <laughs> he was always like that. That hairy nose. Oh, he did clip it. Okay. Yeah, well, no, whatever. No, no, the, I missed the, the wife, I missed the wife the hair. did. I, you know, she grooms me like a like you know a spider monkey because otherwise I would just like you, I, I look like a respectful cute. homeless person now. Not like uh, you know I, I, I you know. Anyways, Sally, this was great. It will. Um, Everybody, I'm going to put, you know, on the on the end of the podcast, the places you can see him, you know, from fans only to the Amazon to the podcast. You're kicking ass. You're an inspiration. Thank you for being awesome. Thank oh, you so much. So cute. You guys, thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. OK, All right. All thanks right. so much. Thanks, All right, bye. She walked.